1 Peter chapter 2, and I'm in the calling card series, uh, highlighting the call of God that he has on your life. Now, this is a topic that I enjoy because it's one that hits home, and it's one that not it's, it's one that hits home for me, and it's one that everybody can relate with because deep down in the recesses of, of people, I really believe that God has put a desire in you to know what has he called me to do. You know, the call of God in the book of Peter, he said, is something that will take you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. And it's something that he said will uh, brings you into his eternal glory. Now, 1 Peter uh, chapter 2, I want to read some verses and then I want to pray. I'm going to start in 1 Peter 2, 19. Read down to verse 23. And, and here's what the scriptures say. It says, that For this is commendable, if because of conscience towards God one endures grief, suffering wrongfully. For what credit is it if when you are beaten for your faults, you take it patiently? But when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, it is commendable before God. For he said, To this you were called... Because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us as an example that you should follow in his steps, who it says committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth, who when he was reviled did not revile in return, and when he suffered he did not threaten, but he committed himself to him who judges righteously. Let's pray. Lord, this morning we just thank you for your sweet presence and the aroma of the Lord. I pray, Lord, that Hearts will be open to receive. And I pray for the spirit of wisdom and revelation pertaining to the call of God. Lord, I'm praying this morning specifically for people to be strengthened in their calling. Lord, I pray that as I communicate the message of Scripture today, people would be encouraged. I pray, Lord, that it would become more real, that it would hit home, that your purposes and your plans for us would be known in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen Amen and amen. Amen. Uh, you know, I was thinking back about um, some memories that came to my mind. I don't even know why I remember this particular moment in time. I got a call one day from my mother, and she was telling me, you know, she had a flat tire. I was probably late 20s, and to be totally honest with you, I did not want to go fix my mom's flat tire. I was like, Mom, I'm busy, and you know, you drive an old car you never take care of, <laughs> And, you know, I was kind of like, you know, annoyed. I, I didn't want to go help, but, you know, it's my mom, right? Now, the thing about moms, they have this habit of, like, asking you to do things when you don't feel like doing it. And mom was like that. Mom would have me digging holes for her house for trees. I remember one time she had me dig, like, 35 holes for trees. I don't want to do that. And she had me, you know, painting homes. I mean, there's all kinds of things mom asked me to do that were inconvenient. Uh, but it's my mom. And deep down inside, if I was honest with myself, what I would say is I felt impressed or provoked by the Holy Spirit to show up and help my mom. And, and so I did. I fixed her flat tire. I've painted homes. I, I, I've done a lot of things for her. And now I'm glad she's married to Grandpa Dwayne. Thank God. He gets to fix all the problems. <laughs> God is a good God. Can I get a witness? <laughs> But you know what I found out about life? There are immeasurable situations you will come across in which God will call you to act in particular when you don't particularly feel like it. When it's, it's just not something that you're feeling, you may not feel the anointing to do it, but God will call you to do it. 
And that's what I want to highlight for you today. I want to highlight the things that Christians are called to do. These are uh, specific things, and yet they're also fairly generic things. They're universal. We could talk today about the universal call of God. Last week, we were talking about, you know, considering your call, that you got to have a revelation of it. It's something individualized, specific to you. And, and today, what I want to highlight for you are, you know, the things that God will call us to do, and, and it's pretty clear laid out, but it may not be some of the easiest things that you have to do. Uh, every believer is called to this. And there's all kinds of stuff that comes across in life that God will ask you to do, put a burden on your heart for, and he will do it. Now, I want to highlight this starting here in verse 21. It says, for to this were you called. I want someone to say, I am called. called. Yeah, To this you were called because it says, Christ suffered for us, leaving us as an example that you should follow in his steps. You know, I did a little research on what this verse is referring to. And what the Bible is telling us is that you have been called to do what Jesus said in his famous words in Matthew 16 and take up your cross and follow him. In other words, you are called to carry your cross. That, that is a very universal and yet quite specific calling if you're in the moment for it. You're called to carry a cross. Jesus' famous words. If any man desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow after me. I mean, this really reveals to us the way that Jesus was able to purchase times in which God, he did it through suffering and through the cross. And it also reveals to us the pathway sometimes in which God asks us to act and follow him. And if you really want to know him, and if you've ever had the privilege of, you know, growing in your faith with God, you fully know there's certain moments in time when God calls you to do things that might require that it to be uncomfortable, that it's a situation that you're going to have to carry something. Now think about what God is asking us to do when he says, you're going to have to carry your cross. First thing he's doing is he's going to ask you to deny yourself. That's what Jesus said. If you desire to come after me, let him deny himself and follow after me. That, that denial is a word for people living in the 2020s, man. Because we got a society today that's clueless about what that means to deny yourself. I remember when I had to say no to myself when I rededicated my life to the Lord. And one of the first things that I had to quit doing was stop drinking, which was one of the hardest things I ever had to quit because it was so much fun. Don't shout me down while I'm preaching. If you've ever had the same experiences, you know what I'm talking about. I had to let that thing go. And while it was a challenge, it has blessed my life immensely. I had to say no in that moment. I had to say no to my flesh. I'm not going to let that control me. I know people who have to say no to overindulging themselves with food, with entertainment, with watching too much television. There's moments when you will get checked and convicted by the Lord, and he's going to say, let that thing go. Deny yourself. And, you know, this is true with personal ambitions I've had. I mean, I think about, you know, things I've strived for in my own flesh, prestige, ideas I've wanted, positions, and If you really get close to the Lord, you'll find that he's going to ask you to lay certain things down in your life because it doesn't honor him. It doesn't glorify him. I think about, uh, you know, ministry being something you got to carry. I mean, my my good friend, David Stolberg, Pastor David, he felt like God was asking him to take the kids department and it wasn't a passion in his heart 
as much as it was a burden that he felt, a need that he saw, and he found a way to carry a cross. And I'm just telling you, sometimes that's the things that God calls you to do. Carry a cross when you may not feel like it. And here's the thing I've discovered about the cross that he's got for you. It's perfectly fit for you. I mean, the cross that I have isn't the same cross that you have because you're six foot two and taller than me. I'm five foot ten. All I'm trying to say is God knows how to work situations for crosses to fit you perfectly. As one guy said, he'll fix a fix to fix you. And if the fix he fixed to fix you didn't fix you, he'll fix another fix to fix you. I mean, he, he knows how to help work things out. He's got a cross that's hand-tailored for your life. Not only did Jesus say let him deny himself, if we're going to carry the cross, it's something that has to be carried daily. That's what Jesus said in Luke 9. He said, if you want to come after me, let him deny himself and take up the cross. Day said in Job, every day, Paul said, I die. I die daily. 1 Corinthians 15, 31. Job said in Job 7 that God meets man every morning and he tests him at all times. And the thing I've just discovered about walking in life is that there is a myriad of opportunities for him to put fixing flat tires in front of you. I mean, he's got opportunities for you to help move people on Saturday mornings when you've had a 56-hour work week. He's got situations where you're going to have to go out of your way to do things for people that you didn't feel like doing it, but you feel prompted or you know your conscience is convicting you about helping somebody. It's called a cross. It's called denying yourself. And I'm telling you, if your eyes will be open, you can find opportunities every day of your life to see it. These are things that God calls you to. Now, the thing I've discovered about his calling and carrying the cross is it requires that you be led by the Holy Spirit. God is calling you to be led by the Spirit. That when you carry a cross, you're following after the Lord because that cross is heavy. There's a reason Jesus stumbled under the cross. So carrying a burden, carrying something for the Lord, it's like he is just carrying you and he's calling you to walk with him. And what that means is you're going to have to be a step behind him. This is what I found out about God. He doesn't need you to be out ahead of him two or three steps trying to figure everything out on your own and strive for things. Instead, he gets glory and pleasure when you follow him, when you let him lead you. And I'm going to use a little football analogy here because I like watching football. And I found that some of the best running backs, people who carry the ball, are the ones that will follow their blockers. And they might have to wait a little bit for someone to go open up a hole so they can run through it. When you do that, that's how you stay productive. That's how you stay uh, protected. And it's evidence of maturity because there's patience that comes with it. You know, I think when God is calling us to carry a cross, what he's really working on is patience on the inside of you. Mm. Let patience have its perfect work, that you may be complete and perfect, lacking nothing. There's something about his patient hand at work. Carrying a cross requires that you may have to do a work, sometimes a ministry on his behalf, or an opportunity arises and you're in that situation, or sometimes it's waiting on the Lord for things you don't feel like doing. And I'm telling you, in the times that we live, ain't nobody want to wait on the Lord. It's like people are in such a rush in the times that we live, and yet Jesus is walking at a pace that we have to follow him at. And when we talk about carrying your cross, we're talking about activities that he's called you to work, and we're talking about waiting. We're talking about you fulfilling his call, and it's going to be something, a burden he put on your life. That It's specific. It's also very universal. Every one of us has got that, like we said last week. 
man, he's calling you to something. I feel like God is calling some people to things that it, it would shock you if you knew what God had for you. And it might scare you because he might ask more from you than you want to give. But there's a cross that's intended for you. And the thing that you got to do in those moments is say, here, send me, instead of fighting it off. Now, let me give you a second thing we could say about carrying the call of God. Uh, we, it says here that you have been called to follow in his steps. And then he's going to quote Isaiah 53, verse 8. This is Peter quoting Isaiah 53. And it says of Jesus that he committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth. So he's painting this prophetic picture of the suffering servant. It tells us that when he was reviled in verse 23, he did not revile in turn. When he suffered, he did not threaten. But it says he committed himself to him who judges righteously. When I read this, that word commitment just jumped off the pages to me. Because it reveals a second thing that we could say about the call of God. That's for every person in the room. Let me tell you what it is. It has to do with submitting to the will of God. Every Christian is called to submit themselves to the will of God. He uses the word committed here. I think that the English Standard Version uses the word entrusted. It's the Greek word papadomai, which actually means to, uh, to give up something. And one translation, the New Living Translation, says that, that Jesus left his case right there. He, he didn't try to argue it. When it says that he committed himself, it's the same word used when he was delivered to Pilate, when Jesus was delivered to the Sanhedrin. It's the same word that Jesus used when he said, into your hands I commit my spirit. And John uses it when it says he gave up the ghost. It's like he left it all on the line for what he felt was the will of God in his life. I mean, he laid it all out. He submitted himself to the will of God. <laughs> you know what I love studying about the Bible? It, is you got to take things in context. When you take a passage of Scripture, you can't take a verse. you got to look at the context. And here in 1 Peter, he, he's going through a long list of things that people are called to submit to. Like one unpopular thing that he tells us to submit to is the government. Oh, yeah, look how quiet it got in this place. Because it tells you you got to honor the king, pray for people, even the ones you don't like, and pay your taxes. That's what the scriptures say. Pay your taxes. Yeah. I know it's hard to pay taxes to people who want to print money and spend trillions of dollars on crazy government spending programs that end up in nowhere. It's hard, it's hard to feel excited about giving your money to people who can't steward it. That scripture says submit to the government. Yeah. You know what's scary is in verse 18, chapter 2 and verse 18, he's talking to slaves, and he tells them to submit to their masters. I mean, how awful a situation to be in. But he said, God will get the glory if you have a submitted attitude. Now, I thank God that we are freed from the horrible institution of slavery. So in the modern day sense, we're not talking about masters and slaves, but we could talk about bad bosses, have you ever had a boss you didn't particularly care for? Yeah, everybody, I got everybody smiling on that one. <laughs> you obviously have worked at Pizza Hut with me before. <laughs> you know, I found that if you will submit to treatment that you think is stupid or unfair and, and, and learn how to have a submitted attitude in that, that's a place where God will bless it. 
you know, it might be worse than working for bad bosses, being married to bad husbands. Because that's 1 Peter chapter 3. Wives, submit yourself to husbands. I mean, listen, there's some knuckle-headed husbands out there. I know because there's been moments in time when I have been a knuckle-headed husband. I wish my wife was here to shout. (laughs) (laughs) Knuckle-headed. And yet the scripture says, if you'll submit to your husband and honor him, God will answer your prayers. That's 1 Peter chapter 3. That's what it's about. He takes it a step further in chapter 5. He's going to tell everybody that you ought to humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he might exalt you in due time. Submit yourself to the Lord. What we're talking about here is a submitted attitude that says, I'm going to just give myself over to the will of the Lord. And the challenging thing about that is that there are times when God might actually ask you to do something that is uncomfortable. How do I? Let me highlight this for you in 1 Peter chapter 3. Look at verse 17. It tells us that it's better if it's the will of God for you to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. Sometimes you do have to suffer for the will of God. And I was laughing because I was reading one of my favorite Bible teachers, a man named Kenneth E. Hagan, old dad Hagan, who's the founder of the Word of Faith message. And he wrote in a book called Must Christians Suffer? He said this, He said some people do suffer for self-imposed reasons because you made bad decisions. But there are moments in time when you're going to have to suffer to fulfill the call of God on your life or to do a ministry. And he said, you know, sometimes people in faith circles may not teach that. And he said, I think we would do a better job if we talked about it a little more. But there are moments in time and callings that God gives that are not going to be easy, that are going to be difficult. Brother Hagin talked about having to do, you know, church ministry in places. One time he said he was traveling and they didn't have a place to put him up. They had to put him out in the chicken coop. Yeah. And they didn't even feed him either. Now, after three days of that, I don't know that I would have a good attitude. But that was part of the call of God that he had in his life. Listen, I'm just telling you, there's certain moments when when it's not going to be easy to submit to the will of God. And, And yet, that is exactly what God is calling us to do. I'm talking about universal And then when you get down to the fine print specific things in your life, how are you going to submit to the will of God when you don't feel like it? How does that play out in your life? I think one thing you have to learn how to do is is what I would call apply some leverage, which would simply mean you don't have to defend yourself. I mean, think about what Peter said here back in verse 23. He's using Jesus' example who when he was reviled, did not revile in return. In other words, when he's accosted and accused, he didn't feel the need to defend himself. It's the funniest thing. You know, I had the most epic fight with my wife the other week. I mean, we were about ready to let each other have it. And in the moment when I was cocking back to just tell her what I thought, I decided that instead of telling her about her flaws, I blessed her, told her how much I loved her. And and you know what? That did turn the conversation. I mean, she was shocked, taken back, had to think about it. (laughs) But you know, it's easy to get that welled up inside of you, isn't it? It's easy for you to feel like, oh, I could, and and yet if you don't, if you will uh, let the Lord defend you rather than take matters into your own hands, that's how you can have a submitted attitude. You know, I've had people who were upset with me. I had a pastor one time 
And he called me out from the pulpit, said my name, said terrible things about me when we started the church. And I know because people who were at the service came and told me about it. But I, I couldn't do that to somebody. I couldn't get up and name names. And, and, and Because you know what? I'll let God defend me in those situations. If he wants to take care of business in his way, he can do it. That's what he does. I'm just applying some leverage. I don't have to defend myself. Yeah. Let, let me tell you about submitting yourself to the will of God. It means that you have to let go of certain situations. Let go of bitterness. Let go of anger, frustration that you have, that you're harboring in your heart. Uh, you know, wounds that you're carrying. There's something very freeing about simply learning how to let go. You know, one thing you got to let go of is your ego and your ambition and your sense of pride. And when you learn how to simply lay that down and let that go, that's a place where, where you're submitting yourself over to the Lord. I mean, I'm, some, there's some battles I don't need to pick up. There's some moments and things that I go through where my ego wants something or, you know, I want to look good in front of people. And I've just decided that if I will let go and submit myself to the Lord and let him defend me and let him build the house and let him come through in my life, I don't have to get caught up in the stress about it. I can submit to the Lord. That frees me up immensely. I don't have to fight for things I'm not called to fight for. I can submit to the Lord. One thing you're going to have to learn how to do is lean on him. When we talk about submitting to the Lord, we're talking about just simply relying on his grace. Because there's always those opportunities in life where you don't feel like doing something. You don't really feel like, like you can get through it or you have the strength for it. And yet the Lord, if you ask him for help, will always show up. I think one of the most spiritual things you can ever do is say, God, I don't think I got this. C can you help me? And ask for grace. That's when you're weak, he becomes strong. That's where he shows up to help walk you through, change your attitude, help you have the words to say. Because, you know, recently I was just on this camping trip with my friend Ted and Carolyn. And Carolyn's from Florida. And she told me, I want to come camping. And I, and I was like, yeah, all right. You're from Florida. We'll give you two days. And the first day she was up there, she said, I want a third day. I've been up there for two nights already. And I thought, I don't know that I got another night to give. I've got little children. You're talking about four nights of camping. We got to pick up everything, go move somewhere. But I told her that the Bible says, blessed are the flexible, for they should be bend and not break. <laughs> you know, they really wanted to come. They need some family time alone. It has an opportunity for me to serve and be a minister. And it was stretching me. It was hard on me. But you know what? God's grace got me through it. I mean, he helped me get through moments like that when you don't. And he'll call you to that. He'll ask you to do things you don't like to. He'll, he'll, he will, if you submit to him, he'll stretch you. But he does it for a purpose. He does it to bless you. Yeah. When I think about submitting to the will of God, that is really learning his ways. I mean, think about what Jesus said. He, he said, you know, he said, learn from me. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. And I got to tell you, I feel like in this shallow Christianity that we've created in the American culture, We've got a whole group of people who have no concept of what it means to submit themselves to the will of God. Because you got a bunch of consumer-driven people hopping around from church to church like Baptist bunnies trying to figure out where they're going. I have no idea about how to contribute and how to submit themselves to the will of God. And I'm quite concerned about it because I think that we're embarking on some dangerous days ahead. 
I mean, there's some difficult things taking place in the world, and if you have not learned how to submit yourself to the, under the hand of the Lord, if you've not learned how to submit an attitude, if you've never learned what it means to take up a cross, deny yourself, and follow him, you might get left behind on some things. I'm just telling you where people live at. Everything in the culture, the church world too, is about me, 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 and, and what I can get out of situations rather than ever learning that what God really might be calling you to do is honor and glorify him with the gifts that he's given you. And if you submit yourself to the will of the Lord, I think about what happened to Jesus. He submitted back in chapter 2 and verse 24 when he bore our sins on his body on the tree so that we could be healed. By his stripes you're healed. Submitting to God, in doing that, Jesus brought healing for people. When I submit to the Lord, he's brought healing in my relationships with people. When I submit to the Lord, we read chapter 5, I said chapter 5, that he will promote you in due time. When you just submit to him, he will take care of the situation. When you submit to him, I'll show you here in a moment, it brings blessing in your life. What has God called you to do? Carry a cross? Submit to his will? Let me give you number 3. And I'm here in verse number 8 of chapter 3. 1 Peter 3, 8. And he begins with the word finally because he's painting a picture in context about the things we're talking about, about what God's called you to do, about submitting to him. And so he, he's, he's kind of he's encouraging us, all of us. He said, be of one mind, have compassion for one another, love as brothers, be tenderhearted, be courteous. And he reiterates the point, not returning, reviling for reviling or evil for evil. But on the contrary, blessing, knowing that you were called to this. Somebody say, I am called. I'm called to this. I'm called to inherit a blessing. Here's the third thing we can say about the call of God. And what he's really asking you to do, if you really want to know what God called me to do, he's called me to love one another. That is the greatest commandment Jesus offered. And if you want to talk about the greatest depth and the highest places of, of, of knowing God. All we could talk about here is the love of God. Not a new commandment, Jesus said, I give you, but an old commandment that you love one another. This is simply called the golden rule, that you love your neighbor as yourself. And I'm telling you, there's just something about the love of God that is enduring, that is always something God has called you to. And while it is you know, a unique thing, or it's a universal thing, it's also very specific because there's all kinds of these situations in which love has to be demonstrated. Now, if I've learned anything in 41 years of life, what I have learned is that love is not a, uh, an emotion. It's a decision. And when you understand that your emotions are fickle and you might be in love one day and the next day totally forget about the thing you were infatuated by, and you make the conscious recognition that it's a decision then you can move forward in life. Now, here's the thing about love that I have learned, that love is something that stretches me beyond my limits. I mean, lo love is one of those things that w when you do it, you might not think you have the bandwidth for it. I don't know if I have the emotional capacity to love in the way that I need to in a moment like this. And yet that might be what God has put in your heart. Remember, the love of God has been shed abroad in your heart. He's put a measure of it in you. It just needs to be exercised. And you know, you can really tell when love gets stretched is when you get tired on the fourth day of a camping trip with little kids. <laughs> or when you're tired 
And, and, and that's when you want to get fleshly, when you want to get carnal. I mean, when you're tired. And when you travel with people. I mean, that's when you can find out what, if the, where the rubber meets the road. You know, I was really impressed with my friend Ted who came up. Uh, Ted, you know, from Florida, and he did some meetings for us here, and they, man, they blessed me. And I got to tell you, from my vantage point, I, I learned from a guy like that. He's about my age, and he, you know, he's exhausted. He's doing services every night. That's the grace God put on. But he will stick around and talk to as many people as want to talk to him. And that is evidence to me of a genuine call and the love of God in someone's life. Because I've been around lots of people who, when they get tired after services, they check out. I have found out about my own self that I can get frustrated with people and it's like, man, I, I don't even want to talk to him and I'm in the ministry. And that's how I tell, I need to spend more time with the Lord because the love life is waning. It stretches you. Love will forgive somebody that has hurt you. Think about what we read here in 1 Peter. He said, don't return evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, blessing. You want to make relationships work? Forgive somebody. You want to make a marriage work? Learn how to say, I'm wrong, and I forgive. And if you can do that, then you can have some success. Anyone been married in, for over 20 years in the room? It's what it takes, man. Yeah, it, it just takes a little bit of forgiveness. That's what the scriptures tell you to do. Love will help you serve somebody. You know, serving is one of the most humbling things you can do. Now, I read 1 Peter 3.8. And he uses all these words about, you know, compassion and, and loving his brothers and being tenderhearted. He uses the word courteous, which means humility. Be humble. Think about Jesus on the night he's about to be betrayed. And he's down on his knees, assuming the position of a servant, washing the feet of fishermen. I mean, th there's some humility in that. Jesus, it says, left his divinity. He humbled himself and became a man. Think about how many times the Bible mentions the word servant. Because that's what God is calling people to do. When he says love one another, what he's saying is be a servant to somebody. Serve somebody. I mean, you want to talk about what God's called you? He's called you to be a servant. That's all he asks. Find a place to bless somebody and be a servant. You know what's amazing about love? Is it's one of those things that will get prayers answered and break open the atmosphere, the windows of heaven. Look at what Peter is saying here. He said, you want to inherit a blessing? And in verse 10, he's quoting Psalm 34. And it says, he who would love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil, his lips from speaking deceit, and do not turn away from evil, turn away from evil and do good. If you want a good life, speak the truth in love. Seek peace and pursue it. For it says, the eyes of the Lord, I like this, the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. The scriptures tell us that God will protect the righteous. See, prayer gets answered when you walk in the love of God. Galatians 5, verse 6, faith works by love. In order to have faith operating, it has to be rooted in love. And that's what the verse is telling us right here. You walk in love, you'll get some prayers answered. I expect to have prayers answered. You know why? As I've lived with uh, my mom, who I've seen demonstrate unconditional love to, to me. I mean, she is my mother. And I've always felt very loved by mom. I've always seen mom pray and get prayers answered. I get shocked if she doesn't get prayers answered. I mean, she prayed me 
out of the pit when I was a rebellious teenager. That crazy woman would walk around the house praying. She'd put Bibles in my pillow. She'd prophesy over me. And I never once felt really castigated or condemned. I felt loved. And I'm telling you, it brought me back. That's where miracles get worked out is in the love of God. How could I not fix my mom's flat tires when that woman has done so much to love on me, prayed me out of a pit? Man, I'm grateful for the love of God. Yeah. Now, you might be sitting out there this morning thinking, and what, is, what has God called me to do? Because these are universal things. They're these crosses we got to carry, submitting to the will of God. And it is one of the great burdens that God puts in his people. They, they want to know what are they called to do. And, and only God can reveal that. We said that last week. He, he puts that in your heart to, to work with you and show you things. And, and he's called you the things that are beyond even what you can ask or think. But if you want to discover what is God calling me to do, what is he asking me to get out of the boat and do, the first place we can start with is carrying a cross. What kind of cross are you, are you even carrying a cross? I mean, I know people who are just adrift in life, not really, not really willing to deny themselves, not willing to make the extra effort to sacrifice things. They can't even show up on church at times. I mean, you got people who are unwilling to do little things for other people. Uh-huh. It's like we, we live in a society today where people are not serving one another. They're very content to be served. There's a cross you got to carry. There's a will that you have to submit yourself to before the Lord. Yeah. You might be thinking right now of something you know that God has asked you to do and you don't want to do it. You think, man, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to help with the kids' department. I don't really want to get more involved at church. I, I don't want to mentor people w when it feels like they're going nowhere in life. I don't want to extend myself emotionally like that. But I'm telling you, those are the things God calls you to do. I don't want to give when you ask me to give that much. I, I, I don't want to love in the way that you're asking me to love somebody. There might be someone right now that you're thinking about. You've got to love them. You got to love them. And you don't feel like it. Anyone ever had that moment where you got to love people and you don't want to love them? You got to be patient with them. You're going to have to just stop and just be a blessing. That's what the scriptures teach us. And you know what I found out when you do those things? The call of God gets revealed to you. It's, it's, I had a man tell this to me. I was sharing this last week with a friend of mine. My, my friend, brother, R.L. Brandt, 91 year old man. Went home to be with the Lord after 50 years, 60 years of ministry. And I was asking him how to discover the will of God. And he told me that as you walk it out, it becomes more clear to you. As you're walking in it, it's like you understand it more than you ever used to. And that's what I've discovered. As I carry a cross, as I submit to his will, as I grow in the gifts, the graces, and the abilities that God has given me, it's like he shows me what path to be on. Mm. I felt led to pray. I'm telling you, I can feel that in people's hearts. They want to know, what are they called to do? Well, start walking here. Start carrying a cross. Can I pray that over you? I want to pray. How many of you want to discover your call more and more and more and more and more and more and more? Yeah, people all over the room want to know what God's put in their hearts. Yeah. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for the call of God. Thank you for the grace of God to fulfill it. Thank you for the gifts and the purposes of God. Lord, I thank you that they're irrevocable. They can't be taken from us. You've given us. You've called it to us. And I pray that great grace would come upon people to deny themselves and walk after you in these days that we're living in, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that you're asking us to submit. You're putting burdens on us. You're putting burdens on us to walk with you, to know you. Yeah. Mm. 
And I thank you, Lord, for the call of God, the purpose of God. In Jesus' name. I feel his presence. Hey, my friend Brian Francis is back there. Brian, you're a fireman, aren't you? You feel called to do that? Yeah. I, I was up here worshiping. I was praying, and the Lord highlighted to me. I don't know if it was the shine off of the ball of the head or not, but I was like, <laughs> but you know what? I felt like, I felt like God is going to protect you. And uh, could we just pray for Brian? I, you know, fireman is no joke, bro. And I know you're in hairy situations, but I, I want to just pray the protective hand of God upon you. Can we do that? Lord, over Brian, I just pray right now, Lord. Brian, I'm not prophesying this, but you know you're going to find yourself in some hairy situations you already have. And I just pray over this man. Lord, that you keep him safe, you protect him, give him length of days, long life. Lord, I thank you for good things ahead. That's what we read in that verse. He who would love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil. And Brian, you've tried to do that. I know you have with the people you work with, and God will bless you for that. Lord, I just thank you for the call of God in his life. Amen, 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 amen. <laughs> yeah, let's just stand up in the house this morning. Lord, I just thank you. I feel, I don't know what it is, guys. I feel such a burden for him today. Um, I got up here, I started praying. I just feel his, his presence. And I want to I have a church that's open to that. We want to have a church where it, it, it's, you recognize his presence and you honor it. And all day it's like God's carrying a burden on the inside of me. God has called this church to something specific and unique. You know that? And I feel like we're in the midst of birthing it. I feel like that what God has got for us is so much greater than what we could ask or think. And when God says something, he starts a process. Yeah. Now, I did hear a story of a woman in Africa. And this woman was a soccer star. She was sitting out of the park in the small town she lived in. But one day on the soccer field, she had a horrific injury. She broke her neck and became paralyzed. And that beautiful woman who was the envy of all kinds of suitors and all kinds of men found herself in a hapless situation, hopeless and without any prospects of a future. And in everyone's amazement, there came into their African village a Chinese man who was doing some work and he fell in love with the woman, offered to marry her, and eventually when they were married, had children with her. And everybody was shocked about how this man would take someone who was in an invalid condition and marry her. And what it reminded me about is the extreme length of love that Jesus went to when he chose you and me in his family. While we were yet sinners, while you did not look good, while you didn't have it all together, while you were stuck in sin, he made a decision to love you. That's how far his love goes. And I don't know, maybe this morning you have never experienced the love of God in a way like that. When, when Jesus said love one another, he modeled it. He meant it. He demonstrated it. And if I could just get your heads bowed, your eyes closed. If anyone has never experienced that kind of love, I want to just invite you with the opportunity to have the love of God in your heart. Yeah. All right, man. Looks like we've got a room full of people who've experienced the love of God. And I want to challenge you to take that love and go love somebody, some neighbor, some knuckle-headed husband, some lady at the grocery store, some person who you find annoying, and model love. That's what Jesus would ask you to do. Amen? 
Amen. Hey, glad you came out to church this morning. I want you to know we bless you. And if you need prayer, the altars are open. We'll pray with you. I'm going to spend a few moments down here praying. And about 11.30, 11.45, we'll meet over here in room 102. I'll grab some people. Uh, if you're interested in helping us with youth, and we'll lay out some thoughts and vision for you because we're planning to build for that. But if we could, as we close out today, can we just take a moment and acknowledge him? If you got to go, you can go. I love you very much. I'll catch it. But my heart's just open. I feel the Lord. I feel his hand. I feel his grace. I feel like the Lord's calling us to deeper things. I feel like he's calling you to deeper things. I feel like he's asking you to get out of the boat and walk with him. That's going to take faith for some of y'all. But I feel God stirring you. I feel him calling you. Lord, we just love your presence. That love it all. Thank you for taking us from glory to glory. Thank you for filling your call in deeper ways and greater ways. We just thank you, Lord. you've not forgotten us. You've not forgotten millions. you got us marked. you got a, a beautiful f- future. Amen.